Hello and welcome back to Spotlight on Women in Health Ventures, the podcast powered by Thea, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering women as entrepreneurs in healthcare. Today, we're talking to Bunny Ellerin, an award-winning leader, thinker, writer, and speaker who has helped transform New York City into a thriving hub of healthcare innovation. She co-founded and serves as president of NYC Health Business Leaders, a community of over 4,000 healthcare executives, entrepreneurs, innovators, and investors. Bunny also serves as director of Columbia Business School's healthcare management program. She was named to Crane's Notable Women in Healthcare in 2019 and selected in 2018 as one of Pharma Voice's 100 Most Inspiring Healthcare Innovators. Hi, Bunny. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really happy to have you on. So just to get started, we know that you've dedicated your career to driving change in healthcare, and we'd love to hear where this goal stemmed from. It really was just serendipitous. When I was in college, I was really interested in media and publishing, and that's what I thought I was going to pursue. But I had a running injury and ended up going to physical therapy for several weeks. And I loved it. And I thought, you know, wow, this is really great. You go in broken and come out whole. And so one thing led to another and I finagled my way into working with them for a year and decided that I wanted to stay in healthcare because I could see all the billing and all the issues, even then, and this was 1992, I could see all the issues and I knew I was going to go to business school. And so I decided I would focus on healthcare and that's what I've done. That's awesome that from your personal experience, from your injury, you have that experience and you fell in love with kind of the process of fixing. We would love to delve more into the organization that you founded, NYCHBL. So just to kick off the discussion on that, could you tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to co-found this group? I had done something similar before. So I went to Harvard Business School and graduated in 95, and healthcare was not on the agenda at all. There was just a small number of us. And so I had to use the alumni database to find contacts and find jobs. And through that, I saw how many really interesting individuals were in the industry and across the industry, not just in one sector. And I thought it would be really cool. Like, why aren't we connected? You know, why aren't we in touch? And so long story short, and it was a long story, but I decided that we should have a healthcare alumni association. And it took a lot to get that up and running because Harvard had never had an industry alumni association. But we did, and we just celebrated our 21st year. And so that was sort of the model for New York. The HBS organization is global, and it's really very much about, you know, alumni connecting in the industry. But in New York, one of the friends that I had made through that organization at HBS, Ing Ho, we were kind of annoyed, I guess, that we were in New York building our healthcare careers. This was 2008 or 2007, 2008, and that there just was no way to connect the way we did with the HBS group. And yet we knew that there were all these great assets in the city, you know, whether health systems or 
pharma in and around certainly the healthcare media. It, it's the healthcare media and advertising capital of the world. And there's just so much, there was so much else even then. So we thought, all right, well, let's try to start something. And that's really how it all came about. So the model was built once at, at HBS. This was different though, because, you know, with HBS or any alumni group got that brand name, right? And that's and the organizing principle and the ready-made set of people to invite into it. Whereas in New York, that was a different story. But Ing and I both had good networks. We put them together and it's blossomed since then. And what do you think has helped contribute to the growth and success of this organization? Well, I think one is we do focus heavily on content and good quality content. So before COVID, almost all, I would say all of our events were in person. Typically they were panels, which is nothing novel, but I think what we always try to do is get different perspectives on the panel and also make them more educational in the sense, not commercial, right? So you're not selling anything to anybody here. You're actually talking about something meaningful. And so I think that was part of it. Number two is that we really fostered this idea that New York is a rich place for healthcare and we should all be connecting and certainly across sectors, like getting out of your own silo. Uh, you know, I used to say a lot, we break, we want to break down the silos and connect with each other. And three, I mean, it was because Ing and I, it's very much our personalities, right? Is an open environment and welcoming people, being positive, introducing people. And networking is such a huge, huge component of it. And we've so many people have met and done business or jobs or venture or whatever through the organization, but that's really important. I mean, that's the lifeblood. People have to have a reason to keep coming back. And if they know that they're going to be good people there or at least good ideas, they will. Got it. Yeah. No, networking, as you said, is such a big piece. And a little later, we'll talk a little bit more about how our listeners can fine-tune their networking skills and really blossom in that aspect of their pursuit in being a health business leader. Now, in terms of some of the initiatives that the group has pursued in order to kind of really make New York City a true hub for healthcare across all verticals, can you delve a little bit deeper into that? I know you talked about the panels and such that you've had, but any other initiatives? Yeah, I mean, number one is I think the topics that we picked are really important, that we would pick topics that showcased the what was going on. So early on, we had one about tech transfer, um, and we had Cornell, Columbia, NYU, and the Economic Development Corporation. Like, nobody was doing that. We talked about digital health when nobody was. When Cornell Tech was coming online, we had the dean come and speak at a big breakfast, and this was before they were open. So we try and highlight trends early through our content, and we're also very topical to talk about something interesting, right? Whether it's talking about telehealth four years ago. So anyhow, I think the topics are really important. The other thing that do we've started the past several years is publishing reports on investment in the healthcare arena in New York City. So we have an annual report that comes out. 
We also have an annual event on healthcare investing. We used to call it hot or not, but now it's um, where will the money flow? So each year. And so people look forward to that kind of information. You know, recently during COVID, we actually did an interim report and we partnered with Alley Corp, which is an early stage venture fund in New York, but to look at what COVID was doing or how it was impacting the digital health sector in the city. So, I mean, I think the thought leadership has been important. And just recently, as of last week, recently, tried something totally new during COVID and we put on a benefit concert. So it was an hour. We had music, bands. We had med students from Mount Sinai, as well as doctors from NYU Langone. And we raised money for charity, right? So we are New York City. You know, we're very much about New York. We believe in New York and we see the really terrible issues that are going on with that all impact health, you know, food insecurity, mental health, children's health. So we decided that we would do something totally new. And it worked out great because the concert, I would love everybody to watch it. The music is great, very uplifting. It's joyous. But we also talk about telehealth equity during the evening with three frontline workers talking or three doctors who are on the front lines talking about their experiences. We have leaders talking about how COVID impacted them. So there's actually a lot of good learning too, Um, but mostly it's just fun. So those are some of the things that we've done. Amazing. Really putting forth to showing the world all that New York has to offer. And how can folks get involved with the organization? Just go to our website, nychbl.com, sign up for a newsletter and come to events. You can certainly join as a member, but you can also just attend some events. I mean, hopefully we'll be back in person. I don't know, maybe by the summer, we'll see. But for now, you know, people can log on to stuff that we're doing online. Now we would like to pivot a little on the topic and focus on the women as health business leaders. But as you know, healthcare as an industry has been quoted as an industry that does not have a woman in healthcare problem, but a woman in healthcare leadership problem. And this was a quote from the Oliver Wyman report. And as you know, our organization, Thea's mission is to inspire and empower women as healthcare entrepreneurs. But this is not novel. You know, women like you and many other women and men have been tackling this issue for decades. So I would love to hear your thoughts on how the industry has evolved in this aspect. I think that healthcare, our industry, much like many other industries, has had, you know, we've seen a steady influx of people rise to rise to the top. But the thing holding everyone back, whether it's healthcare or finance or the work world is just not made for adults who have children, who have who are in relationships, who like who do things, right? The work world has not ever been very female friendly because traditionally females were the ones to take care of the kids, et cetera. And then the women who are in the workforce. There are definitely barriers there too. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but we do see more women starting companies and more women. The new CEO of Aetna, CBS, Karen Lynch, and and that's great. I mean, it's that it's 2020 and it's so novel in a way, kind of 
not great, but until we solve the problem of making the work environment amenable to parents and individuals who have to care for others, we're still going to have these problems because it's only the people who have a lot of money, they can hire help, right? But a lot of people can't do that and shouldn't have to. So I think personally, I really do think that that's a lot of the problem. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, especially based on a previous conversation that we had with an entrepreneur of a meta company, Daria Blumenthal. She's from Israel and has founded a company called Belkin Laser. And she also mentioned that, you know, to become a entrepreneur, a CEO, just a business leader as a woman, you need a lot of help, not just emotional support from your family, but financial and that's exactly what you mentioned. And not everyone has the means to you know, hire nannies, hire tutors for your children while you're not able to be there to help with the homework. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, before, before we go into talking about networking, I, I do want to ask about um, how we can bring men into this conversation, um, because we can't just say, okay, women have to solve everything. And also when you have women mobilizing, it can also kind of isolate people and think Mm -hmm. that, oh, these are just ultra feminists and kind of, you know, shut, shut you out and your message can't get across. So everyone has to take part in this, in this um, effort. What is your advice for getting men into this, into this conversation? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's a very important point that men have to be part of the solution. If they've been part of the problem, they have to be part of the solution. And you're right, it cannot fall just on women alone. So if you're in a meeting, I mean, this, you're in a meeting and you see a woman being marginalized, right? Like she says something and then a man, they don't care. And then a man says it, speak up, you know, say, oh, so-and-so, that was a great point you made. If you're called, you know, for a recommendation for a board seat, why don't you think about a women you know and recommend a woman or for an executive position, right? I mean, I never bought, you know, when um, about the pipeline issue, to be honest, I really didn't. And I don't. I think there are so many very qualified women. Men just don't want to see it. And women need to um, also include them in the conversation and ask them that, you know, to be an ally, to be an advocate. I agree. I don't think the men, a lot of men realize that they're doing this. They're not doing it intentionally. It's just that it just hasn't crossed their mind. I just wanted to transition to talk a little bit more about networking because networking, I think, is so huge in any industry that you're in. And, you know, we'd like to think that our work, the science, the data can speak for itself when we want to obtain funding, et cetera, or strategic partnership. But in reality, we know it doesn't. That's not how the world works. A lot of emails and conversations take place behind the scenes before we can even get in front of investors, et cetera. So what does effective networking look like to you? And especially during COVID times as well. In general, the way I talk about networking is that the worst mistake people make is they consider it a transaction. I do something for you, therefore you should do something for me. Networking is really about building relationships and building long-term relationships. So you may be the first one to give something, right? You may send 
somebody you know, an article. I thought of you because you were talking about this and here's this, this online piece. Or some, you can send somebody this podcast, right? And say, I was thinking about you. You can refer somebody for a job, right? If people ask you or if somebody asks you for a speaker, you refer. So I guess what I'm trying to convey is it's really important to think about people on a long-term basis, right? If you identify the people that you admire, respect, think highly of, and want to develop a relationship with, it's about building it, right? So, and, you know, how do you do that? I, you know, I gave some little examples, but you nurture it, right? I don't do this, but there's a good practice. Like if there are certain people in your life that you know, are important, you should probably on your Google calendar, make a notation to reach out to them. I don't know, every quarter, just like say, hi, how are you doing? What's up? Or even on LinkedIn or whatever. Sometimes I'll do that on LinkedIn. I'll see somebody that I haven't been in contact with and I'll just say, Hey, what's going on? And engenders a conversation. So it's important to keep the touch points alive. And I say that because that's another mistake people make they only reach out to people when they need something, right? So especially when they lose a job and they need a job, they reach out. And I get it, of course, you know, we all are going to reach out, but people are going to be much more likely to help you if they really know you and they know that you're that they've known you for a while, not just that one time that you spoke three years ago and now you're reaching out to them for job advice. So remember, again, it's not a transaction. And the other thing, another positive thing in terms of networking is making sure that the other person feels respected and feels valued. So maybe you're in a meeting together. It doesn't have to be someone you work with. It could be a, it could be a client. It could be a vendor, it can be a professor, it can be anyone, but acknowledge them and just acknowledge something that they've done or maybe in the meeting, you know, that was a great point, really, or after the meeting, I really respected that. Just let them know um, in ways that are real as opposed to just emailing them and saying, I'd like to talk to you about X, Y, Z. The last thing I'll say is it's just really important to, to do it. And because like you said at the beginning, it's not about the data and your work and all that. Some of it is, but it's also about relationships and are you top of mind? You know, the one thing I hear that really annoys me is this person that we just hired is the best person for the job. Well, you know what? No, there are a lot of good people for every job. I will absolutely go on the record as saying that. It's just the people in that consideration set of those people, that person was the best, but there are plenty of other people out there. And so you need to be in the consideration set in order to get the job, get the board seat, get whatever. And that really is related to networking, relationship building, et cetera. It's very true. As you pointed out, people somewhat shy away from networking. When they hear the word networking, it's a, it's a scary concept. And, you know, they don't like the idea of having to do small talk at an event or kind of schmoozing with folks. So first, why do you think that's the case? 
And how can we address this? I absolutely. Why is it? It's the fear of rejection. That's what it is. People are nervous that the other person that they are talking to doesn't really care or doesn't want to talk to them or whatever. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. And some people are just naturally introverted. That's fine too, but I totally get it. I'll walk into rooms too, where I don't know anybody and I get nervous. So think of it as, you know, more of a, maybe a game. Think of it as something that makes you happy, right? So if you really do get nervous, think of it like if you're walking into a room instead of walking into this room, think like, all right, I'm walking into a party with, you know, where I know my friends are going to be and I'm just relaxed, right? And like have a few things in your head to say to somebody, right? Now, obviously, if you walked into a room, you, you're not shaking hands or anything, but what's today's big news? Pick something from the news that everybody knows about to start talking about or something big in your industry. Or some people like will look at somebody and say, I like your tie or I like your pin or I like that, you know. So just in your head, have a few things ready to say, and that will make it a whole lot easier for you to engage. It's just about really positioning it in your head and having a strategy. That makes a lot of sense. And I I hope that those that are listening can take these tips and help them be a little bit more at ease when next time they enter a room figuratively or literally. (laughs) Well, and you know what? Let's say you challenge yourself to talk to two new people today, just, you know, and you do it. Well, then reward yourself in some way. Even if you really don't like it, try and reframe it. Yeah. And another point I wanted to mention, and Shabna, I think you asked about it too, is networking during the COVID times. And I think many people think that with the in-person events that are no longer a thing, at least for a while, and just meeting people over Zoom has made it harder for people to connect and network. But I've had conversations in the recent weeks that it's actually been the opposite for some people, especially for introverts. They can have like a clear boundary where if they're not willing to connect during those down times, then when they have the energy to connect with someone, then they can enter the Zoom chat. So I think for those who are listening, it's doable to meet completely new people over Zoom and have engaging conversations and actually foster a relationship that is long lasting. And I'm Bunny, interested to hear what you think as well. I agree completely with what you said. Yeah, it is harder. And also the motivation, to be honest, is lower, but it can be easier because they're not going out, you know, they've got more time. And so some people are more accessible than they would be in real life to meet or connect with. And so just like in real life, if somebody says something, you know, like if you're on a webinar, right, and you hear somebody say something really interesting, send them a LinkedIn with that, you know, I heard you say X, Y, Z, really appreciated that you said that. And then if you want to connect with that person, like, do you have 15 minutes or, you know, whatever for a call. Think about what would be important to that person. I would like to ask for one key piece of advice that you might have for women and then also for men on how we can empower and also support women to lead healthcare innovation for New York and also across U.S. I think for men, if you can, 
think harder about who you're recommending, who you're funding, who you're connecting with on LinkedIn, who you're having conversations with, who you're inviting to your Zoom parties or your when we're out in the real world, real parties, not just events, but social events. Think hard about that and try and include more women in that effort because that's key. You know, it's your responsibility as much as as theirs. And in terms of women, we already have so many things that we have to do. I would just say be responsive. When people reach out to you who may have some good opportunities or respond and make time for that. I'm not saying all women do this, but you know, oftentimes we are doers as a put, right? Like we do a lot of different things and we multitask and we're so good at that. Okay. Well, early in my career, somebody said to me, gosh, you get a lot of work done. And I was like, that's not really what I want to be known for, right? I want to be known for my vision or my leadership or my strategic thinking. I don't want to be known like just because I do things. So remember, you can put stuff you know, aside and respond, communicate, interact, right? I mean, it does, that goes to the whole networking thing, but participate in things that you might not have thought would be valuable. Just be open to that. Thank you all so much for listening. Visit us on Instagram at Thea Healthcare and our website at theahc.org for more content. As always, feel free to reach out via DM or our website's contact form with any questions or comments for us or our guests.